0: That's the only song from Sesame Street that I remember. One of these things does not belong. In that song, there you know, the one that I remember it says one of these things is not like the other, one of these things doesn't really belong. And so there's lots of things like that. We bring up that PowerPoint there. There's lots of things like that that are mismatched in life. There's North Korea that are mismatched in life. Uh, so there are many things in life that are mismatched in life. One of these things does not belong there. You know, sometimes it's really obvious. Sometimes it's not. You have to look for it. That one out right there, he stands out. And then also there's one more. That dude stands out. He probably looked, wished he looked as hip as those other guys do. Last week we were in a passage that I want us to look at again to reference now, And it was Romans 12.2. Looking at Romans 12.2 again. And, th- and do not be conformed to this world... But be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may prove the will of God, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. Don't be conformed to what the world does. Don't be conformed with what the world thinks and how they act and how they behave and how they make their priorities and what's important to them. All those things like that. Don't be conformed to that. But we are to be transformed in our mind. Why? Why? so that we can prove the will of God that it is good and acceptable and perfect. In other words, as we live it out, we prove that his, his ideas, his methodology, his concepts are right and good. So, but there's another passage, too, I want us to look at. There are several along this theme that as we consider this topic of things that don't match, as we consider this topic of like what it might mean to be fully sanctified in all aspects of our life, so here's another one. Here in 2 Corinthians 3.18, he says this, being transformed into the same image. And then in Romans 8.29, and to be conformed into the likeness of his son. You want people to look up there, if you're looking at the things that don't belong, and they're, have, they're like going, oh, if this is Kermit the Frog, and he's looking at all these, he's like going, I recognize all those. Those all kind of belong. And then if you were to add the fourth element, and you were to put that one in here, he would like go, oh, There is no way. There is no way that that dude belongs with those guys. So in other words, it's kind of like if you look at that, you're like going, one of these things does not belong. Because in my life, in many areas, I have not been conformed into his image. In my life, in many areas, I am not in the likeness of his son. And what we are supposed to be growing up into is that if people were to say, so you call yourself a Christian? You know what? I could see you fitting on that slide. I could see you fitting on that slide because what you say and what you do and what you think and the way you act, and then ultimately for our topic today, for our topic this week, the way you vote, all those things, they come together with Him. You belong together. I can see it by the way you are. Because what happens too often for us Christians is that we say we're like him, and then lo and behold, we open our mouths, right? We drive our cars, right? Any of a number of things that we do, and all of a sudden people would look at us, and they would say, you know what, dude, you don't belong up there on that screen with those other three guys, because you are nothing like him. He is calling us. When we talk about being equipped, when we talk about being a disciple, when we talk about being a follower of Christ, we don't want to be in that category of you don't belong there. Because your discipleship and your equipping and your following has been done without fervor, has not been diligent, has been done, huh, I go to church every week, what more do I need to do? That doesn't make you a follower. It makes you a church attender. We don't want to be like that. We want that all of these things are alike and that they're the same. In Philippians 2, it says that we are supposed to have the same mind as him. We're supposed to love like he does. We're supposed to live for him and be like him and allow him to shape our opinions and our likes and our dislikes and our priorities. He wants every aspect of our life to be in some way reflect him. And he even wants us to vote like him. Those of us who are most like him will talk and act and think and love, and we will be like him in all those areas of our life. We will be constantly growing in that way. I, like I told you a moment ago, we want to be equipped to do this. That means knowing what Jesus thinks on a various issues so that when we think about them, we say, if that's what Jesus thinks, then that's how I need to th- think about it as well. You know, the age-old thing a few years ago on your wristband was WWJD. It was kind of like, what would Jesus do? Well, this Tuesday, I'm asking you for it to be WHWJV. How would Jesus vote? I didn't get the I didn't get the wristbands printed in time for the service for the voting on Thursday. So just write that on the back of your hands or something so you can maybe have a tattoo done before then. All right, so you'll be really hip. First of all, know this: we are not going to go through every single platform position. This. That is the list of platform positions if you go to a couple of the big sites on the, on the elections. So you look up here, and it's like we have foreign policy, we have homeland security, war and peace, free and trade. That's not the book. It's the policy. It's the issue. Free trade, immigration, energy and oil, gun control, crime, drugs, healthcare, technology, environment, budget and economy, government reform, tax reform, social security, corporations, jobs, education, civil rights, abortion, channel, families and children, welfare and poverty, principles and values, issues, tax, education, oil companies. So we can't, we're not going to cover all those. But this morning what we want to do is we want to say, how do we think about an umbrella? How do we think about something where we, we can cover many of those? One of the things we have to be really sure about is this. We have to distinguish between absolute values and gray areas. And that is hard to do for us. That's hard to do for anybody, really. Because we, we have a hard time saying, this is absolutely right. And some of us spill over and we say, well, no, this is absolutely what God says. That one of the great ones that you know goes back for decades, and especially when I was growing up, it was growing up in my church, it was that all alcohol is bad. Well, that's, that's, and, it was a, and it was an absolute for growing up. And yet, Scripture doesn't teach that. Scripture teaches that the, the abuse of it is bad, and that anything that would control us other than the Holy Spirit is bad. It's hard for us sometimes, especially on the way we're raised, to distinguish between an absolute and a gray area where God gives us liberty. And so we have to distinguish between biblical absolutes and gray areas. So some areas are readily clear. They're easy to address in the sense that God is very explicit in his word about them. Others are not so much. And so, for instance, there are the ones that we always bump up against. um, Issues of abortion. Issues of marriage between male and female. um, Gender issues. Genetically born male and female. The poor. Widows. Orphans. All of those things. Matter of fact, April took... Point number two of my message and did a better job than I'm going to do. When she talked about that God is concerned about the weak, defenseless, and vulnerable. We've already touched on that now because April did a great job on it. Those things are very clear that that's what he's after. But there are other things that are more gray and other areas where, where we may argue for a position as a Christian citizen. But we have to have grace to acknowledge that other godly Christians disagree on those issues whether it's gun control or any of those other things that might have been up there in a moment, there is a wideness on those issues. So we as Christians have to agree that we will disagree in a way that honors the other and honors the Lord. That right there is the very place where we so often get ourselves taken out of the, these things belong together. We have a hard time. First of all, it's not just us Christians. Our culture now has come to this place where if you disagree with me, you hate me. No, I disagree with you. Hey, I mean, I'm married. I disagree all the time, and I don't hate her. But our culture has lost that value. Our culture has come to a place where if you disagree with me, then you hate me, and you're a hater, and you're a bigot, so on and so forth. And both parties are are accused of that. So we have to come to a place where we say, I disagree, I still love you, and we're still friends, and we're still okay with each other. We have to be like that because that's what the Lord calls us to. So in all these areas, we have to give that clearance. We have to give that broadness in them. So there are areas such as, as divorce laws and environmental issues and economic policy and some areas of foreign policy that are important, but we cannot say that we have an absolute biblical mandate that says this is how we define them and look at them. And they're not the same level as an unborn child. Here's another one. The first one is just being able to know that there are certain principles that are absolute. Another one here is what we just talked about. And and actually, I will say that April did a fantastic job of highlighting God's great concern for those who are defenseless and vulnerable. I love the passage, Psalm 82.3. I didn't have it in my notes, but I loved it. Psalm 82.3, vindicate the weak and the fatherless and do justice to the afflicted and the destitute. Also, you think about that. all, All of a sudden, it just sparked in my mind. What does the Lord require of thee but to walk humbly and to do justice? To be right in the way we deal with each other. To be right in the way that we care for the vulnerable, the defenseless, and the weak. So when we look at policy issues that deal with that topic, we want to look and say, is the person we want to vote for, is that person a person who is just in their policies? Is that person a person who wants to come down in an area that gives opportunity and care, solutions to those who are defenseless and weak and vulnerable? Another one that is often comes up, there is, quite honestly, a wideness of opinion on it but that has to do with the sanctity of life. But that is not... I'm not talking about an abortion issue here. I'm talking about sanctity of life from the moment it is conceived until the moment it takes its last breath. Because we're we're speaking about that we would want... that God is concerned about those who are unborn. It even says... I referenced this one last week. It is just one of my most favorite verses. When you look at our bodies... And you look at us and our loved ones who are born with disabilities. More and more and more it's saying you can take care of that before it's ever born. More and more and more that is happening. But he says in Psalm 139, "But you, God, have created me in, in my inmost have created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. Listen, Pause. Think about what he's saying. Whatever is happening in that womb, he is knitting it together. He is building it and making it. If that is true, and we as Christians have to believe it's true because it is written there, then where would we come in and say that interrupting that process would be right. I praise you for I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. He does not categorize that as being the ones who are born perfect. He says they are all fearfully and wonderfully made. Your hand your works are wonderful, and I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was in that secret place. In other words, what was happening down there in my mother's womb, that was no secret to you. You were aware of all that was happening. And when I was woven together in the depths of the earth, your eyes saw my unformed body, and all the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to me. When we talk about sanctity of life, we are talking about the unborn. We are talking about those who are born who are disabled in some way. We are talking about those who are old and aging, who are needing great care to stay alive and to have quality of life of some degree or another. So the issues that come into that are those platforms and those policies that would take care of the unborn, that will take care of the disabled, that would take care of the elderly, and will not say that we encourage you to end it on your own or with the aid of one of our physicians. That is a sanctity of life issue where there is dignity in life at all aspects and in all conditions. That is what we're talking about when we talk about sanctity of life. God commands us to show compassion for the aliens, the fatherless, and the widows. That is an issue that has become huge. In our world, in our nation this year. And Deuteronomy 24 says, and this was God's instruction to the Israelites, even then he said, Do not deprive the alien or the fatherless of justice, or take the cloak of the widow as a pledge. Remember that you were slaves in Egypt, and the Lord your God redeemed you from there. That is why I command you to do this. This principle overlaps with principle number two regarding the vulnerable and the defenseless. And it's not an easy issue. If the illegal is alien, does that mean he still gets the same kind of coverage? If he's legal, what does that mean? It is thorny to say the best, but God gives us a small window into this issue. After that, we have to figure out how to apply it well. But he does give us a window there. The fifth one there is sexual purity. 1 Corinthians 6-9 speaks about this. Now then, I want you to hear me really closely. I am not talking about homosexuality i am talking about sexual purity of everyone in this room and that means the unmarried who are having sex the married who are having sex with someone else as well as other lbgt issues this is not about them this is about us this is about sexual purity so it can never be said that i highlighted anybody particularly This is about us. This is about one issue and how God's word covers all of that and how it extends to us as well. So in here, 1 Corinthians 6, it says, Do do you not know that the wicked will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not deceive neither the sexually immoral. Sexually immoral. That's any of us that would choose to step outside of God's guideline for sexual activity. That neither sexually immoral, idolaters nor adulterers. Adultery. I mean... It's a real issue to continue to hear me. Adultery, male prostitutes, or homosexual offenders, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor slanderers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. And some of you were a part of that. But you were washed, and you were sanctified, and you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of His God. When we talk about this particular issue, we are not talking about one. We are talking about all of them and how that principle would apply to all of us. And when you look at their, their platforms, how do they approach this issue? It is not just one issue. It is the full gamut that falls there. Marriage. Another huge one. And one that we have not yet seen the outcome of it yet. Mark, 7, Mark 10, 7 to 9, echoes back to Genesis. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and his mother, and the two shall become one flesh. For this reason, a man will leave his father and his mother And they two shall become flesh, so they are no longer two but one. Therefore, what God is doing together, let no man separate. Marriage, we teach, we believe. This afternoon I'm doing a wedding. I will stand before that audience and I will say, today we're coming together. Marriage is the union of a male and a female. But not only that, coming to the next one, number seven, Gender, I will also say, I won't say it, but I'm inferring it, and I've talked about it, but it is also the marriage of a genetically born male with a genetically born female. Gender is not fluid. He made them male and female. And what I choose to be does not really define it. It only changes the way I behave. We talked about that last week. That is another issue that we can look at and use to help us define what God thinks is important, how it should influence us. Finally, Number eight: character: character and honesty. Proverbs 28 says, "When the righteous triumph, there is a great elation, but when the wicked rise to power, people go into hiding." Proverbs 29, too says, "When the righteous increase, when righteous king increases, the people rejoice, but when a wicked man rules, people groan. Character and honesty are huge, and they have to be. What a man says, what a woman says, what they do, and how, and that does impact it seems to matter less and less now you can have done something against the law or even out of poor character a year ago two years ago or five years ago and that doesn't matter it's become too pragmatic i would think but here's the twist this is the thing i'm talking to us about how we should go into a booth and vote on tuesday but this is where i want to make it real and that it needs to be important to us. What we're talking about today should not just just affect the lever we pull on Tuesday. What we're talking about today really should be that being a disciple and a follower of Jesus and saying we believe these things requires us to do these things. It requires us to do these things. If If I say I'm a disciple of Christ, and I read this stuff, if I say I'm a Christian, I'll even say Christian little c., and that's how I identify myself, and that's who I say I am, then my behavior and my walk and my talk and my voting and my spending and my watching my TV and all those things have to fall in such a way that they fall in line with him. And so if I say I believe these things, then it requires me to do these things. And if we expect our politicians to be this way, we must expect ourselves to be this way. Tony Evans, pastor in Dallas, Texas, he says, we belong to another kingdom, and we must represent that king when we go into the voting booth. We must represent that king when we go into the marketplace. We must represent that king when we go into our homes where we disciple our children, discipline our children, love our wives, don't love our wives. We are called to represent that king when we go into those places. We belong to King Jesus, and we must represent him in our actions, our thoughts, our words, and our votes. We must see these issues with with the way that God sees them. We must relate to our world with the same kind of compassion and love that he did. Not beating up others. Not hating others. Not being known for what we're against. We need to be known for what we're for. For what we're for. And if we say we are followers of Christ, but we don't follow him, what does that make us? If you say you're a follower of Christ... And you don't follow him. You don't act, talk, think, behave the way he does. What does that make you? Some say a liar. Some would say a fan. I don't know what you are. I mean, but we all are guilty at some level or another. But we are talking about, when we look at our life as a whole, do we want to see patterns of being like him are huge gaps of not And do we want to be able to say, because we don't want this to be true, we don't want it to be true that we're like him in this area, but we're not like him in this area. And that is true of us. That is human nature. And when he talks about us coming into the image of Christ, when he talks about us becoming conformed to him, what he is saying is that all of our life, all of our behavior, all of our thinking, all of our words are slowly, incrementally becoming like him. There are times when I might have a blind spot and I don't realize that this part of my life is not like Him. And that's where the the body of Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit and God's Word comes in at some time or another and points it out to me. And in that moment, I have to respond to it and say, you're right, I'm wrong. I need to repent and be like Him. There is a quote that I've had on my wall for many, many, many years. I really, really don't like it because it stings. Because it makes me think about sometimes things I say even here on a Sunday morning to you. I practice what I believe daily. All else is just religious talk. You think about it, actually, one of the things that we hate about politicians is that they never keep their word. Have you ever thought how much like we are, like politicians, when we say we're Christians and we don't Keep that word? It's always interesting to me that I hate what I see in others that I know I have in myself. We must think, act, talk, behave, vote. And in all those things, we want to be like him so that we can never say that one of these things is not like the other. So we have to ask ourselves this question. Do you hold yourself to the same standard you hold others to to the same standard you would hold candidates to. When you step into the the voting booth, when you step into the marketplace, when you step into your classroom, whenever you step into whatever venue that God has placed you into, wherever he has sent you, when you step into there, when people looked at you, would they say, oh, you know what, dude, you don't belong up there with those things. One of those things is not like the others. We don't want that to be said of us. Every area of life, he calls us to fall into conformity with him, with his principles, with his values. People say, well, what are we to do when we go to vote? We are to go back to the word of God, the same thing we would do when we say, what am I to do with this situation, that situation, this situation? His word gives us a guideline for every area of our life, even this one. It seems so unapart from godliness. Even this one, he calls us and says, this one I have principles for as well. Let's pray.